Hello, and welcome into another edition of Not Just Another Sports Podcast. It is the November 8th edition. It is Not Just Another Sports Podcast after dark. We have ended daylight savings time. It's like the first time we've done the podcast in the dark. It's moody. It's quite honestly sensual, but we're here to talk about a Chiefs win. It wasn't pretty, but it was a win. Christian, how are you feeling after a 13 to 6 or 13 to 7 win over the Packers? I got to be honest, I don't really know how to feel because it seems like this the offense and the defense are clicking and they're on completely different pages. Like the first half of the season, the offense is all time great. Now they're garbage. Like the defense is all time worst. Now they're pretty good. Like they're above average. So I don't know what the deal is, but I would just wish we could find a happy medium there. Yeah, I mean, we, let's just go ahead and get into it because we've got a lot on this plate here today. To me, this game, and this is one thing to remember too. First off, I don't blame anyone in the preseason or not even the preseason, in the spring offseason, whenever the schedule gets released to go through and chalk up W's or L's. I get that. We all do that because we're starving for football and it's a fun activity. But a couple of weeks ago, someone tweeted out, you know, the Chiefs next schedule after they lost to the Titans. And it looked like murder's row. But weird things happen. Football's just a weird sport. You know, look no further than the NFL this week and how crazy some of the results were. They got, you know, we knew that the Giants were going to be a, a soft, cushy team for the Chiefs to face. And, and they and they won that game. Not pretty, but they did win it. Then you got an Aaron Rodgers list, Green Bay Packers, starting with a rookie quarterback in his first ever game, and they won that game. And then you certainly feel a lot better about the Raiders after cutting two first round picks in as many weeks, their head coach being fired for making racist remarks, and they just lost to the, the Giants, who you beat. Then you got the Cowboys, who basically were shut out by the Broncos after trading away you know, their Hall of Fame level player. And then you got a buy, you got two with the Broncos, one with the Raiders, one with the Chargers, the Steelers, who are trading players away. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we were dreading playing the Bengals because they were the top seed in the AFC, and now they're 10th in the AFC. So, you know, this game against the Packers overall, it's really just – I went back and forth, went back and forth. Honestly, it's just about how you are going to analyze this game. Are you a glass half empty or a glass half full type of person? Because there's plenty for you to take away on either side. If anything, to me, this game just kind of kicks the can down the road. There's reason for optimism. The defense looks great. It truly does. And that's one thing that I want to want to remind us as Chiefs fans. We have been offensive fans for so long. I mean, even going back to kind of like 2015 when Alex Smith was here We've always been an offensive fan base, but we should enjoy and take, you know, pride in the fact of having good defensive games. Those can be fun, too. They're a different type of fun. They're, you know, not as many touchdowns, not as many fireworks, but still exciting. They played well on special teams. That matters. It truly does. But the offense struggled. So, you know, you can look at the offense and the special teams or the defense and the special teams and be very encouraged by what you see. Or you can look at the offense and be, you know, saying that the Chiefs are just barely getting by. And the most important part of this team is the most broken part of this team. And it's not going to be fixed. And the star quarterback that they gave the world to is, you know, choking. And this is the new Patrick Mahomes. And 
this is just how it's going to be going forward. And Andy Reid's lost a step. You know, you can say all those things and none of them are really wrong and none of them are really right. To me, this game just kind of kicked the can down the road. Yeah, well, you put it perfectly. There, there are two ways to look at this game, right? Half, glass half empty, glass half full. The defense looked good. And, and I'll say this, I'm a glass half full type of guy. Like if, if we're going out to eat and the check's a little bit too high, you know, it's, it's all right. It's not a big deal. Like there, there are things that you can worry about now or, or worry about later. I just choose not to worry, worry about them at all. This is kind of one of those games. Like Patrick Mahomes, if Patrick Mahomes is the worst part of this offense, which I think that he is at this point, that's a good place to be at. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's been to two Super Bowls. He's been to an AFC West title game. Like he's going to figure it out. We don't need to worry about him. He'll he'll find his way. The defense, however, is a completely different story. And aside from one Daniel Sorensen miscommunication, I mean, he didn't even really know where he was going when he lined up for the ball. Outside of that one play, the Chiefs were shut out. They were they were lights out. So I I don't know. I, I just feel so good going up into this this Raiders game, especially with all the dysfunction from the Raiders team. Like, I don't know. What what about you? Do you feel you feel pretty confident going into this? Well, I mean, here here's the thing. If I had to pick between the three units on the football team, special teams, defense, and offense, if I had to pick one side that I'm the most um, optimistic about turning it around, it's going to be the offense. This team is built around offense. The head coaches, the offensive coordinator, the best star players on the team are on the offense, a recently renovated offensive line. There are more picks, more sound. Actually, there's more salary cap on the defense, but that's just because of some finagling that they've done. There's more investment on the offensive side. We've seen the offense do it for longer. You know, um, I would like to oh, hold on. I'm going to bring it up. But there's a lot of we talk about this all the time. Sample size, sample size, sample size. And it, all of that matters because when you start looking back at what the Chiefs have been the last couple of weeks, you know, it's not been good. I, I'm, you know, it's fair to say that. But then I see tweets like this from a anonymous source that says, a verified anonymous source. The unraveling of Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes is shaping up to be one of Kansas City's all-time worst storylines. What the hell are we doing? He's had four bad games. The unraveling is shaping up to be one of the Kansas City's all-time worst storylines. I mean, please just like put in parentheses clickbait because that's all that is. That's, that's egregious. It has been four bad games. Because at the beginning of the season, he was playing pretty well. Yes, there were some turnovers. Patrick Mahomes has always been prone to turnovers. But, I mean, come on. It is ridiculous to say, to start being that hyperbolic about this. Going back to the sample size, we have three years of evidence of showing that Patrick Mahomes not only is a good player, but one of the best players in the NFL. Is it possible that we are starting to see some regression of Patrick Mahomes? Yes, that's been happening for a while. That's been happening since 2018 it's very likely that 2018 might've been Patrick Mahomes' greatest season. And that's okay. Every player has a best season. His might've just been his first season. That's, that's totally okay. And you know what, if he regresses from 5,050 and ends up being a guy who throws for 30 some odd touchdowns every season, that still makes him a top five, 10 quarterback every year. That's still okay. I mean, we would like him to be top two, top one, 
But even if he's up there, that's still fine. Remind you, there was had never been a Chiefs quarterback to throw for like what 30 touchdowns since Lynn freaking Dawson. So this is still, you know, and by the way, Patrick Mahomes is still on pace for that. I think he's on pace for 37 touchdowns. We we just get this thing in our head where Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, all they did is just throw for 50 touchdowns every season. Here are like, let's just kind of go down the last, uh, let's see, last 10 years of Tom Brady's touchdown totals here. So 39, 34, 25, 33, 36, 28, 32, 29, 24, 40, and he's thrown 25 this year. Not every single one of those was a big fat number. There were some 28s and 29s in there. Mind you, several of those years he won the Super Bowl. Every year is a different story. I feel good about the fact that the offense can turn around because, like we said, the pieces are there. If they can keep all these pieces going together and the offense comes around, they're a Super Bowl team. Like, I have so much confidence in them if they can get the offense back to where it is because the defense looks good. Well, you said that the pieces are there. Are the pieces really there? I mean, we talked about this a little bit before we we got on, and I'm not saying we should guy we should add a guy like Odell Beckham to come in and, and replace Josh Gordon at the X. But outside of Tyreek and and Kelsey, are there really any players out there that you feel confident in throwing the football to eight or nine times a game? And to me, my answer is no. McCole Hardman, at this point in his career career, is a complete bust. Like we saw it on Sunday, multiple drops a muffed punt, a fumble, a lucky fumble that wasn't called because of forward progress. Like, and we know what Demarcus Robinson is. Like, we, we don't even need to get into him. And Josh Gordon, another, what is he? We, we don't even really know. He's playing plenty of snaps. I, I think we just saw that he was 49% uh, of the in on the snaps this past game. But, like, he's not a guy you can trust throwing the ball to. And if I'm – any defense I'm coming out there and I'm saying double Tyreek double Kelsey and we'll worry about everybody else like I don't know how much of it is really Mahomes being awful which don't I mean he has thrown a few balls in the dirt he has made some poor decisions and and thrown some balls off target but how much of that is because he has no nobody else to trust besides those two guys well here's the thing this is let me ask you this. What is different about this team, especially the offense? Well, what is different about this offense from last year, a team that realistically probably could have went 15 and one and marched to the Super Bowl in this year? What has changed besides Sammy Watkins? The entire offensive line. For the better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. This, you know, the seven or eight games they got out of Sammy Watkins, because remember, he didn't play in any playoff game except for the Super Bowl. He was not good in the Super Bowl, and that's part of the reason why they lost, and he missed a ton of games. I mean, you know, I do think that same, it's, it's very obvious that when Sammy Watkins was right and on the field, it super helped the offense. That is a true statement. But it happened so irregularly last year that I don't see how you can make the argument that he was a crucial part of their success last year. The same group of players that's been upgraded, the offensive line is the best that Patrick Mahomes has ever had. And these are the results. You know, I it's a result-based industry, right? Coaches don't win, they get fired. Quarterbacks throw interceptions, they get benched. I Here's the thing. I agree that the, the talent needed upgraded. Um, keeping with a 
popular trend on this show, I will read one of my most famous tweets. It was made after Creed Humphrey was drafted. I said, man, Mahomes is going to have seven seconds to see Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle locked up one-on-one and McCole Hardman running the wrong route. That was tweeted in April. And I mean, it's still true. This is always what it's going to be. Mahomes, here's the thing. If you want to sit here and argue that Mahomes has two Hall of Fame players and he should be able to get by with them, you're absolutely right. And he did last year, and it's frustrating that he can't this year, and it's certainly possible that they can correct this. But for this offense to be the best in the NFL, because it's still one of the better offenses in the NFL, full-year statistics included, they need that next weapon. And we've said they needed that next weapon. And, yes, we know that they tried to go out and get several players. But whenever you're going out and getting extra players is, you know, trying for juju and not being able to go to the next, you know, million-dollar price range, it is what it is. The Chiefs, I, I still wish that they would have addressed wide receiver two more. And, yeah, I agree with you. McCall Hartman's not it. We all have known that. And the McCall Hartman defenders will point to the fact that he's on pace for a career year. Sure, and he's on pace for career targets. There is not a play that McCall Hardman makes that he is not the designed, intended target on. Everything is manufactured for him. In my opinion, he's almost getting worse down the field. I don't, I can't remember the last big play he made down the field that wasn't a bubble or a handoff or a toss. He's just a he's just a gadget player. It's fine. I, you use the term bust. I'm not going to use that term because they've gotten value out of him. He has done things. I mean, Damon Arnett and Henry Ruggs, those are bust. He, you know, he has brought the team value. Not the value you wanted to see, but, you know, it's clear that between Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, and McCole Hardman, the Chiefs have a whole lot of nothing. Well, I think you have to look at his draft value in – or at least what we expected him to do with why we drafted him, which was Tyreek Hill was going like having some off the field issues. We brought him in expecting that he could fill the Tyreek Hill void. And I'm not saying be Tyreek Hill because nobody is Tyreek Hill. Nobody in the history of the NFL has been Tyreek Hill, but we expected him to be able to run slant routes at some point this year. Like at, at some point after drafting him, we expected him to be able to play a little bit of everywhere, which he can't do run a little bit of every route, which he can't do, and be able to manufacture his own production without relying on bubble screens. And what, what is that, like a crack toss where he runs across the field? Like, there, I, I just, there are a million players you could get right now that could do exactly what he does, just a little bit slower or more. And, and I just don't know how you, you can't see that or can't say that he's a bust at this point. Like, what else can he do? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I think we might be kind of going over the, you know, finagling over the last 1% of that argument, whether he's a bust or not. But either way, he certainly hasn't recouped the value. And we've also talked about, you know, that KCTV5 was uh, instrumental in helping select McCall Hardman because of when they chose to drop the Tyree Kill headlines. But man, I hope those ratings really did something for them those two weeks. But um you know, going back to it, it doesn't matter if McCole Hardman is going to be good or bad. The way Patrick Mahomes is playing right now, it, it's inexcusable. And he's been flat out bad. And he just, it's broken. He seems off tempo. It, it seems like anytime he can throw the ball accurately, the players drop it. 
anytime he doesn't throw the ball accurately, the Chiefs players can't catch it. The other team catches it. I mean, the, the one thing to look at that was a positive is there were no turnovers in this game. But it's plain and simple. This team is going to live and die with Patrick Mahomes going forward. And if he's not playing well, the team's not going to play well. Yeah, absolutely. And while we're on the topic of good players, or at least something good to look at after Sunday's game, Orlando Brown, dude, playing really, really well. He's had a great couple of games. You think he gets a contract extension, or or where do you think we're at on that? Well, yeah, I wanted to check in on that. Orlando Brown is up to, and now Monday Night Football hasn't happened yet, so this is subject to change, but Orlando Brown is up to PFF's 14th overall tackle. That's including left and right tackles. He's had several really good games in a row here. Um, He struggled in the Titans game against Bud Dupree, but the last two games he's done well. And overall, I think he's played surprisingly well. And that that means a lot coming from me because I'm kind of one of his bigger critics and was kind of a critical of the move. But, I mean, here's the thing. If he keeps this up and he continues to grow in the offense like he is, I'm all for – him getting a contract now here's the two stipulate and this is where it, this is probably where I will be wrong and then asking too much of a player in his mind in his agent's mind he came to a new system you know succeeded played a new position in a new you know new town new coach new scheme and succeeded I think that he's going to try to get every penny he can but the only two things that I would push back on is the fact is that I think a big part of Orlando Brown's success as a you know, as grading goes for PFF, is that he's a very good run blocker. That's still true. And that he could possibly move back to right tackle at some point. I think that if the Chiefs are going to be the team that they are and be a pass first team, that negates some of Orlando Brown's value because they're not a running team. He means more to a running offense. And also, just because the Chiefs sign Orlando Brown to 19, 20, 21 million dollars a year deal. I, if I were the Chiefs, I would not stop looking for the next left tackle. I would look at Orlando Brown as a stopgap until they find the next left tackle. And then know that you have him in the bag at right tackle. I, you know, Lucas Nying has done admirable, but I don't necessarily see anything that says, yeah, we we don't need our we don't need to think about tackles for the next, you know, five to six years. So that, that would just be kind of where I am that, you know, if like, let's say something does go bad this year and the Chiefs draft in the high 20s or, you know, or, you know, maybe they should consider taking a tackle if there's one available there. So I'll kind of counter that with this. I think that's what they did with the entire offensive line is, is bring in guys who are really good at run blocking. I mean, like you look at Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey is, is kind of one of those guys that can do either one. I mean, First of all, talk about a second round draft pick. He is everything you wanted him to be and more coming into the season. And then Trey Smith, he's a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. So I know that the Chiefs are traditionally a pass first team, but given the looks that we're seeing and, you know, the, the amount of personnel, the how we dictate the offense and, and how we run everything, I don't see why we shouldn't be more of a run first team at this point. And I think that if we start to make that transition, and we have been over these past couple of games. I think we were like 43 to 57% run to pass this past game. I don't see why we shouldn't just give him top dollar. I mean, it's obvious he's, he's very good at his position. We can talk about PFF grades and 
how they determine those, but he has been very, very good aside from a few games this year. And I just don't see a reason why we shouldn't extend him. He's playing well. He's, he's good. And we're starting transition to more of a running team. Well, I'm very skeptical of the last thing that you just said there, because personally, I still feel like the chiefs are not running the ball well enough. Well, let's get back to that in a second. Let's go back to the Orlando Brown thing. Orlando Brown is the classic, like, you've been dating a girl for a while. You still like her. You still have strong feelings about her, but you're starting to look at other girls and be like, man, maybe I could, things would be different with them. But you remember the grass isn't always greener. That's exactly the Orlando Brown thing. You know, is it possible that they could get something better than Orlando Brown on the left side? It's something that they could lock down long-term? Absolutely. But it could also get a lot worse if they move on from Orlando Brown. That's why I said, you know, Siam, you know, mention in the contract that like, hey, you know, it's possible at some point you move back to right tackle. You've done admirable at left tackle, but we're going to keep looking for left tackles too. I, I think that's a dream scenario that, you know, you find your, your left tackle, you know, left tackle of the future and move, kick him over to right. And then you, you're, you're really set there. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, we on this podcast are not afraid to criticize Brett Veach sometimes. I think that this move for the most part has been a positive, positive one. It helped bring in Creed Humphrey, which, you know, they could have drafted Creed Humphrey instead of Nick Bolton if they really loved Creed. But, um, you know, it helped them bring in Creed Humphrey. It helped lock down left tackle position of dire need that they had. And the offensive line has been a huge success story this year. I, you know, if we're talking about the offensive line and what we think was right and wrong, I mean, my biggest criticism has actually switched from the Orlando Brown move to the Joe Tooney move, not because Joe Tooney is a bad player. I think he's a good player, but left guard is just not that valuable. They spent a lot of money on it. How much better is Joe Tooney than Kyle Long or LDT or Andrew Wiley or whoever they would have stuck in at left guard? Probably a decent margin, but the Chiefs aren't even like, again, they're not this huge running team. And they ran the ball 25 times in this game. But my thing is that the Chiefs aren't even particularly good at running the ball. That's the thing that frustrates me is that it feels like when Andy, it feels like Andy Reid's got the Madden controller. And he's got, you know, just passing play after passing play and all these ideas. But then when it comes to um, the run plays, it goes HB outside zone A. And he just clicks that thing every time. Because I could, and you know, I'm not a high football IQ guy. I never try to be. But I could almost predict when the Chiefs were going to run the ball because, oh, look, they have the entire offensive offense in the hash marks right now. They're going to run the ball. They suck at running the ball. They're not creative. They have some of the best run blocking offensive linemen in the NFL, and yet they suck at it. And yes, if you want to tell me that when Clyde Edward Delaire gets back, that that's going to improve. Okay. I'll listen to it. You know, we've been kind of Clyde Edward Delaire truthers here, but you know, Daryl Williams and Derek Gore didn't do Haven't really had some amazing breakout games. So it's certainly possible, but if they're, you know, you sign Joe Tooney, who is a, who came from a running offense in New England, You've got these two great young offensive linemen on the interior who are great run blockers who are physical as hell at the second level. And you run outside zone over and over again. And then you run RPOs all the time where they don't get to get to the second level and kick ass, like figure it out, figure out how to run the ball more effectively. And then for the love of God, don't throw the ball on first down incomplete and then run second and 10. Stop doing that. When it's second and 10, it's time to throw. 
Well, see, you said that they're bad at running the football, and I just have to disagree. I just think they're bad at picking the spots of running the football because we saw multiple times last night. It'd be first and 10. They'd give an inside zone or a gap play to, to Damian Williams, not Damian, Daryl Williams, and he would get a seven-yard gain, and then they'd throw two incompletions and be done with the – like, then they, they'd punt the football. And, I mean, this is the Chiefs. I know we have to throw the football every other play, but – Come on, man. You, you just got seven yards. Run it again. And even on the goal line, when it was, you know, what was it like first and goal on the one and then first and goal on the two, like everybody knew we were going to run the football. That right there is the time when you run some of those trick plays. I, I know people are pretty, pretty critical, excuse me, about uh, Andy Reid's play calling in the red zone, but you've got to spice it up when they know you're going to do something. I, I said to my father while we were watching the game, I said, they're going to run the ball two times. They're going to pass. It's going to be incomplete. And then they're going to have to kick a field goal. And thank goodness. I mean, they did all of that except for kick a field goal on one of those drives. And then they got a holding penalty or a false start. I mean, and then they got sent back and then the field goal unit went out instead of trying to go for the fourth and one, like that might've just saved the game for the chiefs, but the offensive line is built for this. The, the play calling is not built for this. That Whatever spots, whoever is calling the plays, I think we need to change it up a little bit. Let Eric Bieniemy run some on first down. That, that's basically what I'm trying to say. Pick some better spots to run the football. We'll be more effective. And then we won't have to, you know, sit here and complain about our offensive line. <laughs> Not yeah, and, I, and, and well. we, we've said that here for quite a bit of time that it's time for whoever has the play sheet to maybe turn it over for a little bit, whether it be Eric Bieniemy is calling the players right now to try to get him a job and Andy's doing him a solid or vice versa. Andy Reid's calling him. It's definitely time for a change. I, I definitely think that everything just seems out of sorts. And we've seen even in it was several years ago, but back when um, Doug Peterson was becoming a head coach candidate. He took over the play calling for a while and the offense really kind of kicked to life. It happens all the time. It, you know, it's, it's okay for that to happen. Um, and I, I just definitely think that there is some sort of change there. And I think you brought up a good point. I remember way back when the chiefs lost that playoff game to the Titans, people were so mad at Andy Reid for not running the ball enough after they built up that 21 to um, like 24 to three lead or whatever it was. But Seth Kaiser did a great job of breaking it down that the chiefs really were pretty committed to the run in the second half. It was just, they didn't convert. They didn't convert on those opportunities that they did run the ball. And then they didn't run the ball when people expected them to run the ball or wanted them to run the ball. They would throw the ball on first down incomplete, run the ball on second and long, then pass the ball or whatever. So I, you know, I agree with you that the sequencing at times is a little confusing too. One of the most frustrating sequences was, the Chiefs, after recovering that muff punt, which, side note, I don't know how many NFL games I have to watch where people still think that you can advance the muff punt. You can't advance a muff punt. Like, people, everyone on the timeline, that's a touchdown, that's a touchdown, that's a touchdown. It did clearly touch the receiving player's toe, but that's not a touchdown. You cannot av advance a muff punt. You can advance the kickoff, but not a muff punt. Anyways, in that series, the Chiefs first down run for seven and a half yards with Daryl Williams. Okay, good. Pass, pass, incomplete or incomplete pass on second down, and then they throw it in the flat to Daryl Williams behind the line of scrimmage. So it, it was just there was just some several really brutal sequences there as far as play calling goes. Yeah, and I don't know what you do with that. 
at this point. Like we kind of just know what the Chiefs are, how they're going to call plays. At this point, I mean, as a Chiefs fan, what what do you do? You just resign to the fact that Andy's not going to run the ball on first down, but he'll run it on second and ten. Like I, I'm just having a hard time coping with that. I I mean, if you listen to Eagles fans, which is really kind of an oxymoron in itself. Um, they'll tell you that part of the reason why he left Philadelphia is because he didn't run the ball enough. I kind of struggle with that statement because, you know, no one was complaining about running the ball enough a couple of months ago or a couple of years ago, whenever the offense was just super high flying, but it's something to be concerned about. I definitely think, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, at this point, I mean, we, we've kind of seen what the chiefs are this year. We know their tendencies. We know what they're going to do it just seems like running the ball just isn't a priority and you know, that's okay. But we just have to remember as chiefs fans that when Andy Reid wants to run the ball or when Andy Reid, yeah. When, if Andy Reid wants to run the football, um, it's not going to be very effectively and he's not going to use it to his advantage. And we're just going to have to live and die on the back of Mahomes, which I usually don't have a problem with. However, this year, as we've discussed, it's, for some reason, he just can't can't put it together. And that's, again, there are off seasons for every single quarterback. This is nothing new that the NFL hasn't seen. No matter what the media tells you, Mahomes has not fallen off of a cliff. He has the yips. Like the- well, one, one thing that frustrates me is that there's this narrative that, like, the Chiefs have never seen too high safety before and that this is just all of a sudden the year that teams figured it out. That's bogus. The Chiefs have been a deep attacking team forever. Teams have been playing them with too high for a long time. Now, I do think that it's gotten easier to play them because of Sammy Watkins being gone, because Travis Kelsey might be a step slower, because, you know, Terry Kill might be a little bit more figured out. But the narrative that, you know, this has just started is kind of silly. I, I agree with you. I, you know, I, I think that they definitely have to transition. That's why I said what I said about the Kyle Shanahan offense a couple of weeks ago that like, man, if the Chiefs could find a way to kind of get one of those run orientated offensive coordinators, that would really help them. Oh, yeah. Well, and I don't know. Eric Bieniemy does have a special place in my heart. He was a really, really good football player. I heard my dad tell stories about him he wasn't exactly a prolific running back but he was a guy that could put his head down get the ball where it needed to go having him on this offense and on this well on the offense as the offensive coordinator I don't know why but it just if this is what it takes like we have an NFL running back as the offensive coordinator and we're still only running in the most inopportune times and super not frequently like what what will it take for Andy to slow it down and, and run the football and pound the rock? I don't, I don't know what it would take, but at this point, I'll do whatever it takes. Just give the ball to Daryl Williams or CEH and, and let him grind out the clock, man. Let me ask you this. This is a side note, and then we'll get back to the game. People always talk about all the time how they're so sure that Eric Bieniemy should 100% be a head coach in the NFL, which I agree. His credentials definitely say that. If Andy Reid retires tomorrow, do you want Eric Bieniemy to the to be the next head coach? That's that's kind of a tough question because maybe just maybe for continuity, but as far as like play calling prowess or you know what he implements on this offense, I don't know what it is. 
like it's obviously not running the ball more. He's a super, super smart, super talented, super amazing guy off the field. And he's even super inspirational when he's, you know, when you hear those mic'd up moments when he's yelling at the running backs. And I mean, that's all cool, but how much of that is really his football intelligence and how much of that is just coach speak and, you know, what's he here for? Is he here to call plays? Obviously not. Andy Reid calls the plays. Okay. Is he here to, you know, be the mentality gut check guy that, you know, can pull you off the bench when your head's down? Maybe. And that is a really good call quality in a head coach. I just don't know if he can, you know, be a full-time play caller and survive in this league. It's obvious Matt Nagy can't. And we were all saying the same thing about Matt, Nag- Matt Nagy a few years ago. So, yeah, it, it's a no from me. I, Eric Bienemy has done very little in his time as an offensive coordinator to make me feel like he's the guy that I want to coach the Chiefs. I feel like he has the accolades because of Andy Reid. He, I know this shouldn't really matter that much, but he's awful. He's an awful soundbite. He's borderline insulting at times to the people that interview him. He just, he's yet to really ever take it over the play calling duties. And additionally, I just don't necessarily think that that's, I feel like any, I, I'm never a fan of hiring the guy who worked with the old head coach as the next head coach. I know it works sometimes like, you know, Ohio state's got Ryan day, but Overall, I'm always about get some new eyes, get some new blood, get some new ideas in the house. So I've, that's, that's one of my fears is that they end up hiring Eric Bieniemy, that he's just waiting in the wings. I don't think that's a, too bad of a fear to have, man. Like, like, like we just said, what, what has he done? What, what is his play calling? What, how does he like to run the, the football or how does he like to run the offense? what is it? He's kind of in an amalgam. He, he's kind of like all these little pieces put together of, Oh, he's got Andy Reed a little bit, but also, you know, he, he was a running back. So he, he would like to throw the ball, but maybe he likes to run the ball. Like there's so many parts of him that we don't really understand or, or how he would even go about doing things to, to say that he would be an effective head coach. And I think that's one of the reasons why a bunch of, of teams passed on him. I don't think there was this racist conspiracy. Like some people are saying, but how, how can you hire a guy when he doesn't even call the plays for his own, his own team? Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing. I think he will get his opportunity hopefully sooner than later. I think that his, his resume certainly speaks for itself. My thing about not hiring him is as much about him just being around Andy Reed and taking over Andy Reed's job as much as it is him, the person, but let's kind of bring it back to the Packers game here overall. Clearly, she's really aided by Jordan Love being out. But you know what? One other thing that I wanted to bring up is that, you know, you can criticize the defense and say, well, you know, they got to play against a rookie quarterback. But also, this is the same defense that made Jalen Hurts look elite, that made, um, you know, what's his name in, on the Washington football look good. They've made really bad quarterbacks look good before. So it was good to see them make a bad quarterback look bad. I mean, remember Justin Herbert. Now, obviously, Justin Herbert's, you know, quite the player at this point. But in his first start, he gave the Chiefs all sorts of fits. So it was good to see them just really kind of dominate a team defensively that they should have dominated. Yeah, plenty of pluses to look at this game. Defense, amazing. Special teams, incredible. Tommy T, shout out. Incredibly 
good punter on the team. Like he, there were a few times last year where we were kind of iffy. Like and he's oh, had I, some shanks this year, but not last night. Yeah, fifty-seven yards was his average punt, and then also had several, several down inside the twenty. Yeah, it, crazy, crazy talent. It's it's amazing that we find these guys. When we parted from Dustin Colquitt, I was a little sad, kind of like this LDT thing. Like, he's just been such a big part of the organization for as long as I can remember. And then, oh, we replace him with, oh, okay, just just a guy that's that's amazing. Like, just, just one of the best punters in the league. Like, okay, well, I'm not as sad anymore, but. Absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and give out our game balls, Christian. Who gets your game ball for the Chiefs win? So I'm going to have to split it this week. And, and just because I don't really know, it's, it's hard to, to give it to just one person. And Snead had an incredible game. I can't fully give it to him. I got to give some love to the special teamer, Tommy T. Snead and Tommy T are my two guys. So obviously Snead played lockdown. He had a big interception where he basically mossed Devontae Adams. And Tommy T, just almost every single one of his punts were inside the five. And put a rookie quarterback in a very bad position coming out of the field. Both, both good picks, both good picks. Um, so I'm going to give my game ball out to an athlete that we're all really familiar with. Um, he had the unique ability of really having to cover and take out and truly shut down the best player. And what might've been one of the best players in this game, he shut down a surefire hall of famer, a guy who has won a Super Bowl ring, took him completely out of the game. I'm giving my game ball to Joe Rogan. He did a great job of making Aaron Rodgers take horse medicine instead of the vaccine. Got him out of this game. Joe Rogan, a tremendous Chiefs defensive player. No, but it was prescribed by a doctor, though. It's It wasn't actual. That It's not the same stuff, dude. No, for real. Who's your who's your game ball? Who are you giving it to? It can't really I'm be telling, Joe. Dude, I'm telling you, it's literally Joe Rogan. Literally Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan encouraging him to not get the vaccine so that way he there was no way that he could come back in this game literally joe rogan because if correct me if i'm wrong if aaron Rodgers plays this game are the chiefs winning it probably not no there you go game ball joe rogan you know those that meme where it's like this guy who has a tiny domino and then he has this massive domino who's like 10 dominoes away yes of course i know that meme. okay yeah. so literally the little domino is some guy in china eating a bath and then the big domino is Joe Rogan helping the Chiefs win a football game. And Dude, I love right. that. That's ridiculous. I, I love that. Absolutely. His good friend, Joe Rogan, helped him out. All right. Let's talk Chiefs Raiders here in Las Vegas. What do you think happens in this game? What are some big storylines that you're watching? One of the big storylines that I'm looking at is – the whole dysfunction with the Raiders organization. We've touched on it a million times in the show, and I'm sure we'll touch on it for weeks to come. They just lost their, well, they cut their first round cornerback. What is it? David Arnett. Yeah, David Arnett. I, I always get his last name confused, but yeah, David Arnett, obviously Henry Ruggs isn't there. Their head coach isn't there. And apparently news broke. I don't know if you saw uh, in our Arrowhead live chat, there was some stuff that got leaked. John Gruden was not only fired for those emails. There was some other stuff, other stuff going on there. So say what you want about David Carr. I think he's a great quarterback. I think that it's not going to be enough. And the defense is just playing so well. I think the offense will take another step forward. I mean, they can't get 
worse, can they? They just scored 13 points. So, yeah, Chiefs have got to win this game. And as we say, it's kind of a tradition at this point. This is a must-win game for the Chiefs. If they want to win the division, if they want to get to the places they want to be, they have to win this game. Absolutely. I mean, the Chiefs kind of put themselves in a place that every game is a must-win for them. But this one definitely takes the cake as far as they've got to make up some hay in the AFC West. Um, as far as your, you know, points go, I, I think that's, those are all really good. Clearly the, the Raiders were not themselves. They had a lot of kind of mental errors that happened on the field against the giants. They always struggle going to the East coast. This game's going to be played in Vegas. You know, hopefully there's a lot of red in the, in the stands. Um, we will have to see though. Um, two things, two things really stick out to me. The, Chiefs for a long time really struggled with the Chargers defense, the cover three, where they divide the field up into sectors. And that defensive coordinator is now the defensive coordinator for the Raiders. The Raiders are one of the few teams that they are going to play that cover three and not play too high. So maybe this is an opportunity for the Chiefs to get right a little bit here. So they're not seeing that too high a little bit. Maybe seeing something familiar will kind of spark the offense. That could be something that's encouraging. The and I mean, this goes back to the offensive line too. The, the Raiders are the least blitz heavy team in the NFL. They are going to drop players and just try to get home with four. So the offensive line needs to be successful there. You know, we should not be seeing a ton of pressure. Max Crosby, we know is a good player. Yannick Ngakwe has been playing well as well. So hopefully either Mike Rimmers gets healthy enough to play or Lucas Nyang comes back, but we need good play from them. We certainly don't want to see Andrew Wiley at the right tackle position. As far as the other side of the ball, the Raiders' offensive line is pretty dreadful. Alex Weatherwood has been moved to guard. He is the 78th out of 79th qualifying guards. Another awesome draft pick on their behalf. John Simpson, not a good guard. He's ranked 60th out of 75. Um, Colton Miller is playing well. He's the eighth rated tackle. But their other tackle, Brandon Parker, is literally the worst tackle in the NFL, according to BFF rankings. Um, there, this should be a game that we see Melvin Ingram, who looked really good in his limited snaps, Chris Jones, Frank Clark and company really make an impact on this game. We heard Joey Bosa say it after Monday night, Monday night football. We know that if we can hit Derek Carr early, he's going to get in his own head. We know that the Raiders signed Deshaun Jackson. We'd really hate to see him wide open down the field and burn the Chiefs defense. That would kind of hurt, but hopefully he, he might not even play in this game, given that he just signed um, Sunday night. So I definitely think that getting a pass rush, managing the pass rush, and really attacking that cover three defense is something that the Chiefs could get the offense going again. I'm going to yeah. pick the Chiefs to win here, but I, I, at this point, I cannot pick the Chiefs big or with a big number. I'm going to take the Chiefs 24-21. Okay. That's very close to what I was going to, I was going to say, 27-21 Chiefs. And, and I think that's only because I still have respect for the early season Chiefs that we haven't seen in about a month. Uh, hopefully they show up to play this Sunday and not who we've been watching the past couple of weeks. But I'm one more thing I want to want to hit on before we get out of here. You said it. Ingram is going to be a big part of this game. And I just rewatched the football game earlier today. Ingram was amazing. He, he was in there. There were multiple times where he would speed to power, get a bend on the outside, push that uh, right tackle all the way back to the quarterback. And love was just so. I guess he was just quick enough to, to make an escape or we would have seen a whole lot more sacks this past game. So yes, pass rush is going to be a major part of this 
this win if we get one. Yeah, agreed. Well, dude, as, as always, it's great to get on here and hop on and talk about the pod, uh, talk about the Chiefs, the, the NFL in general. Um, we're excited about where the Chiefs are going. Hopefully they can get it turned around here. If they're six and four, after the way the season's gone, I'm going to feel really good about it. Yeah, AFC is wide open. Titans wow. lose. Yeah, Eric last year more key losses. Yeah. Like last year we were the number last, one seed. Yeah, last week we were debating whether the AFC was truly wide open, but after another wild week, it it, it truly is wide open. I, I will agree with that. Yeah, crazy. I there are multiple memes going out about how the NFL is rigged for the Chiefs, and I'm starting to believe them. I mean, how many more key losses can our opponents take before we uh, actually get on our horse and take advantage? Yep, for sure. Well, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast as always. Um, we appreciate your feedback, positive and negative. If you send us something mean, we might read it on the podcast. As always, you can follow me at Price A. Carter on Twitter and Christian at C. Breezy underscore edits. Thanks for listening to Not Just Another Sports Podcast. See you, guys.